you would take your copy of the Word of God and open with me to 1 Peter chapter number 2. So find 1 Peter, uh, the second chapter, uh, will be in verse 24 as we continue in our family tree uh, series. 1 Peter 2 verse 24. If you've not downloaded the Our Family Tree app, if you will text the word tree, T-R-E-E, to the short code 79969, uh, you will get a link to where you can download the Our Family Tree app on your phone. So if you've not done that, be sure to download that app. We're going to learn how to use it through this series. So what is God's creation worth? Like what is the value of the resources God has made, created, and given to us? Well, the BBC, the British Broadcasting Corporation, along with an environmental specialist, decided to find out. They started this index called the Earth's Index to help them place a monetary value, if that's even possible, on some of God's natural resources that He's made for us and given to us. In fact, one spokesperson for the project said this, when you see the figures in black and white, it's illuminating to see that the annual revenues of the world's most successful companies like Walmart, Apple, Amazon, uh, Ford, Samsung, CVS, GM, Nestle, combine all their revenues together and they pale in comparison uh, to the financial return of the natural resources God has made, given to us, the impact on our economy as it relates to the environment. For example, let me give you some of their monetary values that they've placed on some of God's natural resources and aspects of his creation. Ocean life. Think about the sea fish in the ocean. Just the fish are worth $224 billion, according to this index. Bees and other pollinators, $170 billion. Vultures. Now, you may, not, you may think vultures, certainly they don't have much value, but they came in at $2.6 billion. Cats. Now, if you're a cat person and that's offensive, you just think your your cat is so valuable that there cannot be a price tag placed on he or she, okay? Maybe that'll make it feel better. Coral reefs valued at $9.9 trillion. And, of course, the most valued is going to be water, right? I mean, that's pretty important for us to live is water. Water values in over $73 trillion. And the second most valuable are trees, Trees valued in at $16.2 trillion. So today, I want to talk to you about one tree that is more valuable than all the other trees that God has made. In fact, this one tree, it cannot, it cannot be placed upon it any monetary value. There's not enough gold, money, or numbers in the world to capture the value of this tree. We call it the forgiveness tree. The forgiveness tree. So today, I want to speak to you on the subject the forgiveness tree. The second tree within our family tree. We can read about it in 1 Peter 2.24. So let's do that. 1 Peter 2 verse 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Father, what a Man, what a verse of Scripture that is just so powerful, uh, so freeing, so forgiving. God, my prayer's been all week, and it remains so today, that God, you would grant us today 
Number one, for those who have yet to do so, receive forgiveness. And for those who refuse to do so, give forgiveness. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Four aspects of this tree I want to point out to you today. Number one, the Father, when you look at the cross, when you look at the tree on Calvary's hill, when you look at the old rugged cross, when you look at the forever tree, I pray that this is what you see. I pray that you will see the Father forsook the Son for us. That's number one. The Father forsook the Son for us. And we see that in verse 24. He himself, that's Jesus, not coerced in any way. He did this completely willingly, sacrificially on his own. Nobody forced him. He himself bore our sins, yours and mine, okay, in his body. All right, now, what do we believe about God? We believe God is one God in how many persons? Three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we believe that God the Son is no more God than God the Father, and God the Father is no less God than God the Spirit. We believe that they're not in a horizontal relationship, but a vertical relationship. Three in one, the triune God. And here on the cross, we need to understand, in his body is referring to Jesus of Nazareth, the word become flesh and dwelt among us. This Jesus bore our sins in his body. In other words, we know the Bible tells us God the Father did not die for our sins. Okay? God the Holy Spirit did not die for our sins. God the Son died for our sins. In his body, okay, he bore our sin in his body. In other words, Jesus took our sin, not his, in his body. So how do we know then that God forsook the Son for us? How do we know that? Well, Jesus' own testimony in Matthew chapter 27, as he's hanging on the tree, he makes this statement. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Asking that question to the God of heaven, his Father. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, why? Because what Jesus was doing there, he was quoting Psalm 22.1. Now, why is he quoting from a psalm? I believe he's quoting Psalm 22 for several reasons. Number one, Psalm 22 is a messianic text. It's a messianic prophecy. It is foretelling what's going to happen when Messiah comes. And if you read Psalm 22, you'll read about piercing of hands and feet. You'll read about casting lots for garments. All this happened, came to fruition, was fulfilled through the person of Jesus the Christ. That what Psalm 22 is referring to is Jesus as Messiah. And so Jesus quoted Psalm 22. He's fulfilling Scripture. Secondly, he wants everybody there to know that he is the Son of God. Thirdly, he understands that for the first and only time at the cross, there was this strange, mysterious yet miraculous separation between Father and Son. Now, did Jesus cease to be God the Son on the cross? No. Did Jesus cease to be a member of the Trinity on the cross? No. But in some strange, miraculous, mysterious way, there was a separation between Father and Son. Not in an essence kind of way, not in a, a character or nature kind of way, but in an intimate fellowship kind of way, there was a separation between Father and Son, and Jesus, his own testimony. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? For the first and only time 
in the history of history, God the Father and God the Son had some type of separation. What a miracle. And the Father then forsook the Son for you and me. You mean that I'm, I'm that important to God? Yes. You're that important to God for the first and only time in the history of mankind. For you to be saved, those two had to be separated so you could be brought back to God. Yes, He loves you that much. The Father forsook the Son for us. Now, how do we know that the Father forsook the Son for us? Man, I mean, we could do this all day. You can start in Isaiah 53, and it reads, Surely He has borne our griefs. He has carried our sorrows, wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities, not His own, but ours. You can go through Paul's writings in Romans. He says, Who was delivered up? Jesus was delivered up for our transgressions. In the letter to the church at Corinth, Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. In 2 Corinthians, Paul writes, For our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin for us. Galatians 3, 18, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Right? Again, in 1 Peter uh, chapter 3, that Christ died the righteous for the unrighteous for us. That's us. 1 John 4.10, but that God loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. So the Bible, over and over and over again, and we can do this all day, over and over and over again, it says that the Father forsook the Son for us. Well, here's another question. How do we know that Jesus, who died on the cross, how do we know He was the Son of God? There are people who believe that Jesus was just a mere man, good teacher, Great example, moral character, was impeccable, sure, but he was just a mere man. He was a mere martyr who died for a righteous cause, some believe. Some believe that Jesus was just an innocent man, wrongly accused and condemned. Some believe that he was a mere heroic gesture against social injustices. But we believe, as the Bible clearly teaches, that Jesus is the Son of God. How do we know that? Well, I, I want you to think about this in maybe a way you haven't thought of it before. Think about Stephen. Acts chapter 7. You remember Stephen? The one who, who, who after the church was born, he preached. I'm telling you what, he preached the gospel. And those who heard it, drug him out of the city, stoned him to death. He was the first martyr of the church. And when Stephen was being drug out and stoned to death. Just before that, Acts 7 captures what happened. It says, But he, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And behold, he said, I see the heavens open and I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And then it says they cast him out of the city and stoned him. So let me ask you a question. Stephen was a martyr for the faith. How did heaven respond to Stephen's martyrdom? How did heaven respond? Favorably or unfavorably? Pretty favorably. Because the Bible says when Jesus was resurrected and ascended, he went to be seated at the right hand of the Father. But now when Stephen is being martyred, he stands up. He's not. See, that seems like a favorable response to someone who is selflessly dying a martyr. Let me ask you this question. How did heaven respond when Jesus died? By Jesus' own testimony. 
Why have you forsaken me? So if Jesus was just a mere martyr, then heaven would have responded differently. Heaven would have responded favorably. But heaven didn't respond favorably when Jesus died. Heaven forsook God the Son for you and for me. Now you may be thinking, well, Pastor, if if, if you do not believe Jesus is the Son of God, you may say, well, if Jesus was the Son of God, would not God the Father respond to Jesus at the cross as He did at His baptism? Remember what God the Father said at the baptism of our Lord? This is my Son with whom I am well pleased. If He were the Son of God, then would God the Father not say the same thing like a daddy does when his boy does something good? That's my boy. That's my boy. Would He not look down on the cross and say, This is my Son with whom I am well pleased? See, we often recognize that it's, it's the cross is the only place where the Son refers to God the Father, not as Father, but as God. The only place Jesus does that is at the cross. We often recognize that, but here's what we fail to recognize. We fail to recognize that the cross is also the only place where the Father sees in Jesus, not His Son, but He sees our sin. And he cannot look upon sin. He cannot. And so Jesus had to die with this, some kind of separation between him and them. It's mysterious. Do I understand it? Not fully. But I know that the Father forsook the Son for us. That we could be brought back to him. Listen, you don't need to earn God's love. You can't earn God's love. You need to learn that God loves you. You can't seek His love. You, can't, you will not merit His love. You can't work for His love. God can't love you any more than He already has at the forgiveness tree. He can't. He's displayed it to you. And to me, the good news is not, hey, I'm going to die courageously for my Lord. The gospel is Jesus compassionately died for me. I got news for us in this nation. Our biggest problem in America is sin. Our biggest threat in this nation is not the election. It's not COVID-19. Our biggest threat is God's wrath. That's our biggest threat. And our only hope is Jesus. He's it. He's our hope. He, He doesn't just simply provide it. He is it. He is our hope. You know, one has said, and man, doesn't this, I, I, I bet this probably rings true with your heart. It certainly does mine. One has said the shortest distance between two points is normally under construction. Does that ring pretty true with you? Have you noticed that? I got a text the other day from a sweet lady in our church, and she said, I'm praying for you and the staff. And so, well, thank you for that. She said, yeah, I'm, when I go to a, when I stop at a train, I pray, when I'm stopped by the train at Hammer Road or Thrasher Pike, I pray. And I felt about that big. Because the last thing I'm thinking about at one of those trains is praying. That's the last thing on my mind. I said, what a, what a great idea, man. Start not a prayer chain, but a prayer train. And just pray, man. If I prayed every time I stopped by the train, 90% of my life would be praying. Because I'm there all the time. So the other day I tried to get home. I couldn't get home. I, the train was there, so I went around the train and ran into construction. And went around that construction and got to, my, got to the road leading into our, our neighborhood. And there was construction there. I couldn't get home because of all the construction. Aren't you so thankful? 
that the distance between God and man is no longer under construction. The construction was completed at the cross. It is finished where the Father forsook the Son for you and for me. Wow. But here's, here's where it gets. Here's where it blows our mind here. Because remember, 1 Peter 2, 24. He himself, Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the tree. So this leads us to our second aspect of the forgiveness tree. Number two, the Son asked the Father to forgive us. What? Like it's almost overwhelming to think that the Father forsook the Son for us, but then the Son who's dying, the Son asked the Father to forgive us. We see that in this picture of he, he, he bore our sins in His body. Like the one to whom the sin did not belong. <laughs> the one to whom the sin did not belong. He became it for us. And He died on the instrument of death known as the cross. The tree where He died and breathed his last. See, there's three great transfers that take place at the Our Family Tree. I want to I show you these. The first great transfer that takes place at Our Family Tree is Adam's guilt transferred to us. The forbidden fruit was bitten, eaten by Adam and Eve, and that guilt transfers to us. That's the first transfer. Here's the second transfer that happens at the Our Family Tree. The second one is our guilt is transferred to Jesus. The nails and the crown. The third transfer is Jesus' righteousness transferred to us, represented by life, now and forever. Wow. You may say, well, that first transfer is not very fair. It's not fair that Adam's guilt is transferred to me. Well, I'd point you to number three. Jesus' righteousness being transferred to us. What a picture of how the Son Ask the Father to forgive us. Thomas Watson said, and, and, and I quote, Jesus Christ went more willingly to the cross and the grave than we do to the throne of grace. Well, how do we know that Jesus went willingly? Like, how do we know that, that he asked the Father to forgive us? Again, Jesus' own testimony in Luke chapter 23, verse 34. Jesus makes another statement at the cross, and he says this, Father, Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus did not pray or ask, Hey, Father, forget them, for they know what they do. He didn't say that. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The only thing Jesus is forgetting about you is your sin and your shame at the cross. He nailed it to the tree. Jesus is the one who knows the most about you. In fact, we can say it this way. He knows the worst about you. And he loves you the most. Wow. He doesn't just provide hope. He is our hope. Jesus doesn't just provide peace and joy and life and truth. He is peace, joy, life, and truth. He doesn't just provide satisfaction and salvation and substitution. He is salvation, satisfaction, substitution. He's not just, he doesn't just provide a way, a better way, the best way, a more efficient way, a more reliable way, a, trustworthy way he is the way he, he is the way maybe I came across a quote that really helped me digest this idea that Jesus asked the father to forgive us so I pray that you'll take this quote and chew on it for a while it's, it's a quote from Charles Spurgeon and, and he said it like this 
the amazing thing is not that God hated Esau. The amazing thing is that God loved Jacob. One of the questions I get asked more than any other question from the Old Testament is why did God hate Esau? What is meant by God hated Esau? I bet that question has been asked more than any other Old Testament question, maybe in the history of questions. Why is it that God hated Esau? We get hung up on that question. That's the wrong question. The right question, when you, when you get hung up on the question, why does God hate Esau? Here's what you're thinking. Here's what's going on behind the scenes. You are thinking, well, Esau deserves God's love. I deserve God's love. We deserve it. Why would God hate anybody? We deserve to be loved. And that's not the gospel. That is not. The gospel is that God loved Jacob. That's the question that should blow our mind. That's the question we should be begging God. God, how is it? And why is it that you love Jacob? How is it even possible that you could love us? Yet he demonstrated, he proved it on the cross that while we were enemies of God, not friends of God, not friendly with God, but enemies of God, Christ died for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever, whosoever believes in him shall not be destroyed and perished and no more, but shall have eternal life. You know, I think it started with a shortage of toilet paper. Is that what we started with? I think I remember that correctly. And then we went to this meat shortage, like a shortage of meat. And then it went to like a drug, pharmaceutical shortage. And then a coin shortage, right? Dr. Pepper shortage, I think, was next. I've heard that, that if you want to put a swimming pool in, there's a pool shortage. Just, they're just way busy. But now COVID's gotten really personal with me. There's a pepperoni shortage. That's pretty personal, isn't it? All these shortages. I'm so grateful that 2,000 years ago, when, when Peter says he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, I'm so thankful there wasn't a coin shortage 30 years ago. Because for 30 coins, the Lamb of God was purchased... For 30 coins. The same Lamb of God who purchased you and me with His blood. He was bought for 30 coins, yet He bought us with His precious blood. And here's the reality. God's mercy and forgiveness and grace, they are abundant. There will never be a shortage of God's mercy, grace, and forgiveness. As long as we're in this age of grace... There will be no shortage of forgiveness, no shortage of mercy, no shortage of grace. They are new every single day because we need them every single day. There will not be a shortage of forgiveness. Now, when Jesus returns and the age of grace ends, yes, there will be no more. Meanwhile, there is no lacking of God's loving kindness. No shortage. Well, can we trust That Jesus is still keeping his word. Can we trust that he still desires for the Father to forgive us? Can we trust God's word? Can we hold to his promises? Can we believe it? Well, I want to show you a photograph of an 83-year-old Marine. This is an 83-year-old Marine who is standing next to his, his friend. 
who obviously died and is laying in a casket. But this 83-year-old Marine made a promise to his friend in a bunker in Vietnam. And the promise was this. He promised that he would stand guard one more time. And here he is, keeping his word so many years later. Isn't it refreshing to know that some people actually do keep their word? Isn't that good to know? (laughs) Well, guess what? God the Father always keeps his word. In fact, you can look at the first martyr, Stephen, and when Stephen was being stoned, when they drug him out of the city to stone him, Stephen prayed something eerily similar to what Jesus prayed. Stephen said something like this, don't hold these, their sins against them, Lord. Don't, don't hold it against them, Lord. So it wasn't Stephen. Stephen no longer lived in Stephen. When Stephen was saved, it was Christ that lived in him. And Jesus the Christ was crying out in his vessel, Stephen, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. Forgive. And he's still crying that today. He's interceding for us right now. Hey, yes, the Father forsook the Son for us, but the Son asked the Father to forgive us. Number three, here's the third aspect that I want you to see when you look at the forgiveness tree. And this is, I put this in the form of a question. Are you forgiven? Okay. Forgiveness is available. <laughs> Have you received it? Are you forgiven? Matthew 26, Jesus says, this is my blood which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Acts 10, Peter proclaiming to Cornelius and his household, this Jesus, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sin. Again, Ephesians, Paul says in Jesus we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin according to grace. Have you been forgiven? Here's here's what we need to understand. We cannot self-correct. We can try to self-correct, but we will only self-destruct. That's just who we are. Anybody remember whiteout, correction fluid, a little bottle of fluid, black and white bottle? I think now they have, like, strips maybe. And that was something you could use if you were typing on a typewriter, made a mistake. You could put some whiteout on it or writing something. It wouldn't wouldn't necessarily remove it. It wouldn't remove it, but you, you you could write over it. You know, cover up a mistake, you could write over it. And then came, I, I can remember seeing uh, one of the first electronic typewriters that had this mechanism in it that would self-correct. And then computers came out that have mechanisms to self-correct, spell check and other things. And then now we have in text messaging autocorrect, that my autocorrect is always incorrect. It's never correct. Never. In fact, I've, I've got a few autocorrect uh, text message fails that I want to share with you, not mine personally, but some I came across. Here is one man texting to his fiancée, My love for you is so strong, I would buy you a casket if I could. No, no, I don't mean casket, I mean castle. Castle, not casket. Here's a mother to a daughter texting, Have a great day. I want to teach you to drink this weekend. Trust me, I think you'll be great at it. No, 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 not drink, drive. I want to teach you to drive, drive. Autocorrect. Here's wife to a husband. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dead husband. Happy birthday to you. He replied back, thanks. I assume you meant dear husband. And she said, oh yeah, dear, dear, not dead. As much as we try as human beings with technology or whatever, we can never self-correct. We always self-destruct. Always. But that's good news for us because we realize, hey, we need grace. 
We need mercy. We need forgiveness. And God offers it freely. It's available. So the question, have you been forgiven? Are you forgiven? Now here's, you may say no. You may say I've I've not yet been forgiven. And here's some reasons why. Maybe you're mad at God. You're not happy with your life. Right? You're disappointed. Things have not gone the way you thought they'd go. And you're mad at God. Or, Or you're thinking, man, how could God make just one way to him? Just one way of peace and joy and hope and satisfaction and one way to heaven. Why would God do that? And you're confused and don't understand and mad at God and you've yet to receive this forgiveness. Well, as mad as you are at God, you need to know that God is not mad at you. He loves you. He died for you. He was raised to bring you life and forgiveness and it's freely given to you. So right now, wherever you are, I want to ask you to bow your heads if you're in this room or outside of this room. We've got one more aspect we want to cover, but I don't want to pass over the opportunity to ask you to receive the forgiveness available to you. So if you're online or on campus, just bow your head. And you and the Lord have a conversation about this. God has offered forgiveness. It is free for you to receive it right now. And I pray in the name of Christ, as I've been praying all week, that you would receive the forgiveness available. How do I do that? It's simple. You believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth. You believe this truth that Jesus came to die in our place for our sin. You believe that he was buried and raised to life, proving that he alone can forgive sin. And you have to apply that to yourself. So you have to believe in that and trust in that and put your faith in that. You do that in your heart, right, with your life. You surrender to him. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus alone. So you just ask, God, I know I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. I trust that Jesus' work at the cross is enough to forgive me. And I put my faith and trust in him alone. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So listen, it's, it's simple. It's not difficult. We make it difficult, but it's pretty simple. You believe, you receive it, and you're forgiven. The work's already been done. You just put your faith in that work. So if you've done that for the first time today, let us know. There's a short code, 79969. Text the name Jesus to that short code. We want to talk to you about the decision you've made or decision you might want to make to follow him. So text us Jesus, uh, the name Jesus to 79969. Here's the fourth aspect, last one. It's also in the form of a question. Are you forgiving? This is more for believers who have been forgiven. The question is, are you forgiving? Are you forgiving one another? Are you forgiving others? Who is it in your life that you need to forgive? And I'll preface it with this. I know that forgiving is hard. I know that. I know it's difficult. Have you ever noticed that? It's, 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 not, it's not so difficult to be forgiven Man, it's really difficult to forgive. Have you noticed that? I know it's hard. But man, the forgiveness tree. Think about the forgiveness tree and think about how hard the forgiveness tree was. I mean, the forgiveness, the cross was hardcore. It was hardcore as Jesus. His hard back had to to receive 
all that was downloaded from heaven's hard drive, that God the Father's hardline stance against sin was poured out on His Son. And that hardship on His Son was all because we are hardwired to hold on to our hard-fisted selfishness, our hard-headed sin, and our hard hearts of stone. No wonder forgiving is hard. This, this cross was, was hard, man, hardcore. Think about all the, all, all the elements that made up the cross. The crown of thorns. You don't talk about a hard hat. That'd be a hard hat to wear with a crown of thorns. And the hardware that was driven into his hands and feet. And, and, and the hard wood of the cross beams. And, and, and the hard work that he said it is finished. And the hard words that, why have you forsaken me? And Father, forgive them. You'd be hard-pressed to find anything harder than the forgiveness tree. That's why it's so hard to forgive. Forgiving is not easy. It never has been easy. But it is essential. You better believe forgiving isn't easy, but you better know that it is essential. The forgiven must forgive. There is no option. You must forgive. Yet in our culture, we have this one strike and you're out of here. One mistake, you're done. One wrong and you're gone. You're out. No forgiveness at all. And it's even, we even see it in the church. I tell you this, if Monday goes, continues to go like Mondays have gone, tomorrow I will yet again heartbreakingly hear about another pastor who walked out of the pulpit today. Just walked away. Done. Done. It happens week in and week out. And it's more and more. Especially over the division in the churches from this, all this, this COVID-19. I talk to pastor after pastor week after week. And they all have the same test. We're just divided over whether to reopen or not reopen. Gather or not gather. Distance or not distance. Wear a mask or not wear a mask. I mean, it's just divided the church. How is it that we, the forgiven, have forgotten about forgiveness? How is that even possible? Yet we have. So who is it? You know that. I don't know your business. You know this. Who is it that you need to forgive? Who is it that you need to open up to and forgive? Or go seek their forgiveness? We cannot give lip service to Jesus, the Lamb of God, and have some other idolatry or identity Rule on the throne of our hearts. We can't do that. The unforgiven can be forgiven. That's good news. The forgiven must forgive. It must happen. Here's our takeaway. I want to share this with you and then we'll be, we'll be done. Jesus was forsaken so that we could be forgiven. That's what 1 Peter 2.24 is all about. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. Like he was forsaken. <laughs> so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. So that we could be forgiven. By his wounds we've been healed. Jesus was forsaken for the, for the purpose that we could be forgiven. Like the Father forsook the Son for us and the Son asked the Father to forgive us. Why? So we could be forgiven. Jesus, the second Adam, was abandoned so we, along with the first Adam, could be adopted. Jesus, the, the, the only begotten, was betrayed so that we who believe might belong. Jesus, the Creator, he was crucified to death, the Bible tells us, so that we, the created, could be crowned to life. Jesus, in Philippians, it says that he was obedient 
unto death. So this one who was obedient in death dwelt on this earth so we who were disobedient in this life can dwell in heaven. Hebrews tells us that Jesus was the exact imprint of God. This exact representation of God was executed so that we who were without excuse would not be excluded. Jesus, the firstborn from the dead, according to the scripture, was forsaken so we, the first fruits of his life, could be forgiven. Jesus, the only one who was not guilty, walked out of that grave so that we who are guilty might walk in grace. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 1 verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So Jesus, our, our living hope, headed to the hill called Calvary, Because we, in our hopelessness, were headed to hell, but now we're headed to heaven. Jesus was forsaken, so we could be forgiven. Jesus, the I Am, He was indicted in order to invite the uninvited, so that we, the uninvited, could be invited. Jesus, the the judge of the living and the dead, He died unjustly, so that we, the unjust, could be justified. Jesus, the Lamb of God, loved us first, so that we could love Him at last. The king of kings was killed so we, his kin, can have the keys to his kingdom. Think about it this way. John and Colossians tell us that nothing was made that has been made without Jesus. So Jesus, the maker of all that was made, was made a little lower than the angels. So that we who were made might make it back to our maker. Why? Because he was forsaken so we could be forgiven. Oh, I love this one. Jesus, the name that's above every name. He was nailed to the cross so that we would not be just another number, but that so we could be numbered with the multitude that no one can number. Jesus was forsaken so we could be forgiven. Jesus, overseer of our souls, outstretched his arms on the tree so we, the outsiders, would not be stretched out away from him for all eternity. Jesus, the Passover lamb, was not passed over in death so that we could pass over into life. Jesus, the Redeemer, redeemed us so us, the redeemed, would remember that he has remembered our sins no more. Jesus, the truth, he told us the truth. He said that when you face trouble, you don't have to be troubled. Why? Because he was forsaken so we could be forgiven. Jesus, the word become flesh, was wounded so that we would not, could not, and should not worry our worship away, but so that we could, would, and should worship our worries away. Why? Because Jesus was forsaken so we could be forgiven. So here's the question. Are you forgiven? Guess what? You can be. You can be. Are you forgiving? You must be. You must be. Father, would you help us today? We need to be forgiven. There are some folks listening online. There are some folks on this campus that have yet to receive the forgiveness you alone offer. And I pray right now their hearts would break. They would be broken. They would surrender. They would submit to you right now and ask you to forgive them of their sins, put their faith in Jesus right now and pray something like Father I know I have sinned I know there is a Savior named Jesus 
who can give me life right now and forever and I put my trust and faith in him friend if you've done that please text us let us know the decision you've made to 79969 text the name Jesus if you need prayer text us prayer to that number if you need to learn more about how to join our church or want to learn more about ministry text us let us know whatever your desires whatever decision you made for Christ today let us know Father help us help us to forgive those in our lives whom we've yet to forgive help us to seek forgiveness help us to receive it in Jesus name